We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Just a short recap from last week. The week before, we've talked about hope. We've talked about peace. And as we looked at hope, we looked at a false sense of hope that the Jewish people had created in their mind of this Messiah that did not match up to what they expected. As they expected one to deliver them from the Roman authorities. And then we saw peace last week. A peace that is different from anything the world could ever offer. One that is only in Christ. One that we saw Jesus gives. We can't earn it. We can't buy it, and it's only through Him that we have the gift. But it's promised to each one of those who are in Christ Jesus, to those who believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This week, we're going to talk about joy. Joy, what is it? What is joy? Where do you get your joy from? And how do you view your joy and Can you get your joy and can your joy be taken away? Well, I have something that we can be joyful about. Well, if you remember last night, as Shane and I were eating lunch, we watched the Bobcats. Uh, They got beat up from the feet up. They got beat pretty bad. And so there's something to rejoice in that. You say, well, Stuart, how can we rejoice? Well, if you're not aware, David Cahoon's wedding's on the 18th. And if that game was in Missoula, boy, what a temptation for some of you folks. (laughs) So there's a joy that you don't have to be tempted to choose between the wedding or the game. You just DVR it, go home, nobody talks about the score, and after the wedding you watch the game. So there is something to be joyful about. What joy? What is it? Well, I hope that at the end of this message, you and I will continue to have a better understanding of joy. You know, as I look at joy, I think we think about joy this time of the year. We think about the joy of the birth of the Savior of the world who forgives each one of us, making it possible that we might have union with God. That's what our joy is. But this message is kind of a different approach. It's kind of a a different approach to what joy is and joy in your life. And I hope that before the end of it, that you can say, I have a joy. But if you're here this morning, you can truly say, Pastor, I don't feel joy in my life. I just don't feel joy. My my life circumstances are absolutely terrible. My situation is horrible. How can you expect me to have joy in the midst of what I'm going through? I hope that you, before you leave today... You will know how to get that joy back in your life. Because there's nothing worse than living the Christian life defeated without joy. This morning we will be looking at John chapter 15. And I would like to simply bring us up to speed on what's happening here in the text. So that we can understand the context of this passage. We're going to look at chapter 15 as a whole. We're going to look at chapter 15, verses 1 to 11, but specifically we're going to focus in on chapter 11, but it's important that we understand the context before we get there. 
And so John 14, if you remember, Jesus did a few things. At least to those who remember from last week that could hear. And I apologize for my mic being off. Next time my mic is off and you have earplugs in your ears and you can't hear, shout out, interrupt me, it's okay. I'm pretty flexible, you know. I'd hate for a man or a woman or a child to sit through the whole service and not hear a thing. That's a nightmare. So, and really it's a waste of your time and a waste of mine. So next time, let's, let's get my attention and let me know. I do apologize for that. But last week we looked at John 14 as he did a few things for the disciples. We saw that he reveals the Father to them. We saw that Jesus grants them the privilege of prayer. We saw that He promised them the Holy Spirit. And we saw that He promised them peace. And really He finishes up this chapter in chapter 14 with get up and let us go from here. And so we may suggest, it's been suggested that really the next two chapters after 14 is, is, is Jesus is traveling to the garden. Now that's pure speculation. But what is truth is that he begins chapter 15 with this analogy of the vine and the branch. And really chapter 15, I broke it down into three sections. Number one is, verses 1 to 11 is a parable. Verses 12 to 17 is a commandment. And verses 18 to 27 is a warning. This morning, obviously, we're looking at the first 11 chapters, so we'll be looking at the parable. And understand that when we look at parables, we don't, everything in the parable doesn't have to have a specific meaning. When we look at parables, parables teach us one truth. And so we need to understand this truth in the first 11 verses in this parable. And here in this parable, the main idea, the main truth that is of importance is the abiding in Christ so that we might bear fruit. Abiding in Christ that we might bear fruit. Jesus tells us who He is, who the Father is, as He says, I'm the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. He gives the order right there. He gives great understanding into what happens to those that do not bear fruit. He also explains what happens to those that do bear fruit. Those that bear fruit are pruned. And sometimes it hurts. Sometimes the pruning that God does for us to make us more into the image of Christ is not pleasing. If we understand that if we are in Christ, and that God is working in our circumstances to grow us closer to Him, we can accept those things with joy. In verse 4, He says, Abide in Me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in Me. What He is pointing out here is important. What is it? It is that we abide in Christ. The verse 5 we see that he again expresses that part of him that we can do nothing apart from him. If we are not abiding in Christ, 
If the vine and the branch do not work together, they're good for nothing. They dry up. They fall out of the tree. Or sometimes we even cut them out of the tree. In verse 6 it even says that they're gathered up and cast into the fire. Jesus really gives us the understanding that we must abide in Christ. Really gives us a benefit if we, if we continue to abide. There's a benefit through that. He says in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The question is, are we abiding? When we pray, God do this and God do... Are we abiding? Well, He's not answering me. Maybe it's because we aren't abiding. What do you mean abiding? We're going to look at that. He wants us to see and understand that the Father is glorified through this. Through this abiding. When we abide, the, the, the God of heaven is rejoicing. He is glorified. And it brings glory and honor to Him when we bear fruit as believers. And then we look at verse 9. He tells us to abide in His love just as the Father has loved me, so I also love you. Abide. And then we come to verse 10 and He begins to speak about commandments. And He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Then he gives us this parallel, just as I, Jesus, kept the Father's commandments and abided in His love. Listen, context is everything here. We have to understand this before we get to chapter, verse 11. It's a must. What's the main idea of this parable? To abide, and how do we abide? By keeping the commands of the Lord. That's how we abide, by keeping the commands of of the Lord, just as Jesus did, as an example. Let me explain. Jesus loved the Father, and He abided by keeping His commandments. And we love Jesus as children, and we abide in Him by keeping His commandments. That's the parallel. He wants us to see and understand that we, in order to abide, we must follow His commandments. What is this in the midst of fruit bearing? What is it? We bear fruit. When we abide, when we do the commandments of the Lord, we bear fruit. We know verse 8 tells us that the Father is glorified through this. And I ask you this morning, what is man's primary purpose? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We must abide in Christ, folks. And when we do that, by keeping His commandments, it brings joy to the Lord. Okay, Stuart, great message. What about joy? What about joy? Well, that brings us to our text this morning. If you're not already there, turn with me to John chapter 15, verse 11. Many years ago, 
There was a major earthquake in San Francisco that destroyed a lot of things. Considerable damage. Many of the buildings had collapsed. And they were wrecked by this earthquake and others because of the fire that was brought about because of the tremors. In the midst of this major tragedy, an elder lady was observed sitting on a front lawn in her lounge chair. And she was singing praises to God. And one bypasser said, Ma'am, no due respect, but how can you sing praises to God in the midst of this trial? In the midst of this moment? And her answer was, I'm excited to see what God's going to do through this. Today I hope that you leave with that kind of joy. That no matter what you're going through, that you can give joy and expecting that God is going to do something wonderful through the midst of this. I don't care what it is you're going through. This joy that we talk about during Christmas is a, is a God-given joy. A joy that no matter where you are, what you're going through, your circumstances, when people in your life see the situation that you're going through, they can see something they don't have. Joy. Brother, how can you smile and give thanks to God in the midst of what just happened in your life? That's the hope we need to give these people in this community. But if we're walking around this community and we're giving ourselves pity parties, oh, I'm defeated by my sin, I'm so down, people don't want that. They got that already. We need to have a joy that rings out in this community. And I hope today you can get that. John fifteen eleven reads this. These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. And I apologize for the slides. They always look different on my computer. Look real good on mine. <laughs> Anyways, that's a good thing. Bring your Bibles. It's important. These things I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. This passage with, begins with this. These things I have spoken to you. What is it that he's just spoken to them? That's why we looked at the first ten verses. It's very important we understand the, verse, the first ten verses because that's the context in which he says, these things I have spoken to you. What things are those? If you remember the main point of the parable is that we abide in Christ and that we bear fruit. Well, how do we abide we abide by keeping His commandments. These things I have spoken to you that your joy might remain in you. Your joy has to do something with following the commandments of God. You know, I, it was, I never thought of that. My joy remains because I'm obedient to the Father. 
You see, when we're disobedient to the Father, it takes away from our joy because we're living a life in sin. But if we follow the commandments of God and we're doing what God has called us to do, we're in fellowship with God and we can rejoice in the midst of trials because we are standing firm in Christ. If we're living in sin and we're finding our joy outside of that, we walk around and mope. Listen, people find joy in all kinds of ways. People find joy in golfing. Hunting, they find it in fishing and in football, cars, trucks, houses, kids, moms, dads, sisters, brothers. They find it in skiing and hiking and reading and writing and sewing and knitting and crocheting. But I want to ask you this morning, do you find your hope in abiding in Christ? Do you find your joy in abiding in Christ? Following the commands of the Father. Listen, please don't miss this opportunity this morning. So much of my Christian walk this. I've missed it. When we abide, we bear fruit. When we bear fruit, it brings glory to God. And when we bring glory to God, we have joy. Because that's what our joy is in pleasing our Father. These things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. I, I picked the King James Version there because it says remain. I think that's the most literal thing. This must mean that it can go away. And if it can go away, that must mean some of us in here today are walking without joy. Look at David. He went with Bathsheba. He was without joy because he was not abiding in Christ. Much of my time as a young Christian, I missed this. I failed to abide. The little things that I did that I would not submit to God kept me from having a true joy in God. And as I read this verse, I cried before the Lord last night and I said, God, this text is speaking to me. Teach me and make me a man of God that I might have joy like no one has ever seen. That I might draw people to myself, that they might see Jesus Christ in me and that I might have the opportunity to share this joy within me. David, he understood it. Psalm 51, we read it this morning. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the gentleness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you alone I have sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. So that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. And in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop. Clean my lips. Wash me 
and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And sustain me with a willing spirit. Listen. Then, I will teach your transgressors your ways. And sinners will be converted to you. Our sin, our not abiding in Christ, affects us. It affects our joy. It affects our ability to teach transgressors His way. How can we lead people to the Savior when we're walking around not in joy? David says it's a part of it. Created me a clean heart. Show me the joy of your salvation that I might teach your transgressors your way. And sinners will be converted to you. Have we ever walked around thinking it's, if, if we were just joyful, more people would come to know the Lord? Listen, I know and I understand 100% that Jesus Christ saves people. But we are the tools in which God used to bring people into Himself. We must have joy. His salvation had not left David. But David's joy was gone. Because he was not abiding in Christ. You know, as a daddy, I see this. As a father, I see this. And, and, and all the parents out there who have had kids and, and have young kids and watched them grow, you'll understand this. You'll get it. At least I get it. There's nothing that brings my children more joy than to do as they're told. So many times I leave the house and I say, kids, listen, when I get home, I want this house clean. I want this done, this done, this done, this done. You know, come on, Stuart. Give them one thing at a time. But I tell them, I need this done. I want this done. And you know what? I come to work, I leave, and I come home, and I walk in the door, and my kids run up to me Daddy, come here. Come here, Daddy. Look, come here. Come come look at the house. And, And I walk in and the house is clean. And boy, they are excited. They have joy. Why? Because they have done what their father is commanding them to do. When we do as the Lord commands us to do, we have joy. A joy that will help transform people in this community and in this world. And you can have that. You can have that today. It brings honor to God when we obey His commands. What is it in your life that's keeping you from abiding in Christ? Everybody's at different places at different times at different walks. You know what? You may hide it from every single person in this room, but you cannot hide it from God. And if you are crucified with Christ, 
and no longer live, but as Christ is living in you, you can't run from God. It will drive you absolutely crazy. You can sin and you can say, I'm going to beat this sin. I'm going to have victory over this sin. And you can do it again and again and again. And you can fall into a violent route of continual habitual sin. And your joy will not remain. But if you just go back to Christ and abide, and say, you know what, God, I'm going to rely on you. I know in my own strength and my own ability, I'm not capable. Because I was going to say something, but I can't find the verse. You can't do it because you were born into sin. You are a sinner, separated from God in your own power and your own strength. You can accomplish nothing. Listen, go back to verse chapter 15. I am the vine, you are the branch. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Apart from me, what? You can do nothing. Abide. They're intertwined. And if you're apart, you have no joy. What is it? What is it in your life that's keeping you from obeying the commands of God? Get rid of it. If you're living in an adulterous relationship, get out of it. You can't abide in Christ doing that. If it's the TV, shut it off. Whatever it is, shut it off. Get rid of it. Sell it. Boy, I've sold some things in my life because I couldn't get rid of it. Had to sell it. Had to get rid of it. Because I'm not abiding in Christ. As long as I have it, as long as I live in it, my joy will be incomplete. And if I do have a joy, it's in my circumstances, not in the Lord. If my circumstances change, I'm pouting. The joy of Christmas is that the Messiah was born unto us. The King of kings and Lord of lords, He became a man righteous and perfect that we might find joy in Him. Knowing that Christ is the answer to our joy. The bridegroom has finally made it. Listen, we don't understand that well, but the Jewish people, they get it. The bridegroom has made it. Freedom from the law is here. The gift of grace is before us. Christ. Jesus said, I come that you might have life, have life abundantly. He said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you. But listen, he says, and that your joy may be made full. The fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 speaks about love and joy and peace. In just the verse before 11, it speaks about love. And in last week we looked in chapter 14, we spoke about peace. 
This week we're speaking about joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And when we are exercising those, when, when, when people see the fruits of the Spirit in our lives, number one, it's, it's a proof that God has made a change in our lives. It's a proof that God has really regenerated our hearts if we are exercising the fruits of the Spirit. And joy is one of them. That your joy may be made full. Christ's joy was made through His willingness. Jesus got His joy from His willingness to follow and submit to the Father's will. His joy was in pleasing His Father. In doing His will and glorifying His name. Where do we get our joy? He's our example. He's the mirror in which we need to match our lives to. The foundation of the Christian joy is not in himself, his circumstances. No, it's in Jesus Christ. The measure in which we enter into that is determined by our day-by-day relationship with the Lord. Listen. Is our joy found in things or in obedience? Our joy should be continual and regular, not fiddle and occasional. He says, Rejoice always in the Lord. Again, I say, Rejoice. Philippians 4 4. Joy is not happiness, folks. It's not. I don't think that when Jesus was nailed to the cross, that he was smiling. Yes, sir. I'm happy. His joy was because what he was doing his Father's will. This world finds happiness in their circumstances. Listen, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are happy because the Grizz won. Nothing wrong with that. But what if they'd have lost? Where do you find your joy? Oh, it's in the Lord, or you would have been pouting. It might be a test. They're still going to another game, maybe two. Look at Paul and Silas in the Philippian dungeon with their backs bleeding because they had been beaten for the sake of Christ. What were they doing? They were singing praises unto God. We Listen, I want to go overseas so I can experience it. We don't have it here in America. We don't have persecution. We don't have people throwing rocks through our window because we serve Christ. But again, this week I read so many testimonies of people whose lives are in foreign countries and they're persecuted for their faith, and yet they still have joy. But yet somebody can come and put something in our punch bowl and we're why because our joy is not in the Lord it's in our circumstances let us not confuse happiness and joy obey the Father you see when we obey the command it's not, listen we're not, we're not working our way to heaven by following the commands of God don't confuse that but when we obey the commands of God we're not living in sin 
we're doing the thing God has called us to do. You want to know why there's no joy? Investigate your own life. What is it? Is it the sin of worry? Is it the sin of hate? The sin of anger? Greed? Idolatry? Adultery? What is it? You have to answer that for yourself. Because I'm not God. All I can tell you is if there's no joy in your life, there's something withholding it from you. What sin is it? Because if you are truly in Christ, the end. The Messiah has come. He's paid the price in full to tell us that it is finished. There's nothing you have to do to obtain salvation in Christ. But believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. But if your joy can be separated, what do you have to do to remain in joy? Follow the commandments of the Lord. Is your joy dependent on your circumstances this morning? Listen, I know this can be a a tough subject for some of you because I know you're not in joy. I see it in your eyes. I see it in your life. But this message is not a message of condemnation. It brings hope. To say, listen, you want to get out of that hole? You want to get out of that depression? This is what you need to do. Keep the commandments of the Lord. Repent. Ask for forgiveness. And keep the commands of the Lord and your joy will be renewed. Christ came that your joy might be made full. Your work is done. Your sins are forgiven to those who are in Christ. Now wage war against it. Fight. Lean on the pillar that holds everything Christ. That's a battle in itself. To lean on the Lord when things are hard. I want to see a joy that will open the eyes in this community. I want to have a problem. We ain't got enough space. I asked a question yesterday to someone. Is this church big enough to fit every person in this community that's not in church? Well, of course not. Then we need to be growing. We need to be reaching these these people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we have to do it with joy in our hearts. These people in this community want authentic Christianity. They see baloney Christianity. Everybody's a believer. But not every believer is living in joy. That's what they want to see. Because they see a hope. Oh, if you can go through that, and you can be joyful, you can still sing praises in the midst of an earthquake, You can still sing praise in the midst of whatever you're going through in your life. You fill in the blank. That's what I want. I want that joy. How do you get that joy? You lead them to Christ. 
You take them to the cross. Some of you have no joy because of the sin of unbelief. You don't even believe in Jesus Christ. You haven't even trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And yet you expect to live a joyful life. It don't happen that way. There is benefits of being in the kingdom. Not as the world offer benefits. Oh, you'll get nice houses. You won't go through problems. No, listen. We see it happen when people in this church come to know Christ. They are put to the test. They are battled to the ground. Because the devil is no longer with them. He's against them. I saw it in Bill's son. Battling. Still battling. Stand firm. There's a joy that comes with it though. Even in the midst of trials, they can still be joyous. But some of you are living lives in sin of unbelief, and you can't even experience the joy. You can't even understand it. And I pray today, if you're sitting in this pew, I may have preached to you a hundred times. Well, I don't know if I've preached that many times yet, but I don't care if I've preached to you every Sunday. And you're sitting there, and you go, you know what? I may not be a Christian. Listen, doubt is not a bad thing. Repent, believe the gospel of Jesus Christ that you might have salvation and joy. That Jesus Christ became a man, a child. And He lived a perfect sinless life. And He was our picture that we are to copy as He lived His life. And he died a gruesome death on Calvary so that you, he took your place, he took my place, and all those who are in Christ. And all you have to do is put your trust in the gospel, the death, the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, the death, the burial, And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is how people are saved. No other way. No other emotional feeling. No other song. No other show. No other video. No other nothing saves people. Unless the gospel is preached. It's a form of godliness in our world. It's the power of the gospel that saves people's lives. And we simply need to trust in that. And our joy can be renewed. If you're living this morning outside of joy, then you're not living and abiding in Christ. And I can say that with confidence because I can stand before you and say, I've lived outside of Christ as far as not abiding in Him. And my joy was not complete. It was not full. And it gives me a different respect for following the things of God to know that my joy could, have, could essentially affect someone coming to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Evaluate your life. I did it last night in my office. I was evaluating myself so that 
I might bear fruit. And that I might bring glory and honor to the Father. Here this morning, you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can do that by calling out to Him. Listen, it's not a prayer. It's having faith in Jesus Christ. But one way you can express that faith is by praying to Him. Jesus, save even a sinner such as me. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. As Paul Washer said, the best thing I can do now is turn you away from man and turn you to God. Because I can't save you. Only God can. And He can renew your joy. And if you're in here today and you're a Christian and you're not experiencing joy, evaluate your life, get on your knees, repent of your sin, and ask God to renew your joy in the Lord. And guess what? I'll see you next week with a smile on your face. Because that's how the Lord works. Let us pray.